a remarkable thing is going to happen today. You are going to change for better or for worse. So why not better on purpose or by accident? So why not on purpose? Change starts today because you'll never get this day again. We're looking at character strengths and we begin the journey of specific character strengths today. I want to start with this beautiful prayer from the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. To be set at night, keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep. Give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. All for your love's sake. Amen. Now, the phrase that screams out of here is, shield the joyous. I get the rest of them. Those who work or watch or weep. Those who sleep, tend the sick, give rest to the weary, the dying, the suffering. But why the joyous? And I think it's because we need joy so badly and there's not enough joyous ones in our midst. And joy in this world is a fragile thing. It is a candle in the wind. So I want to talk today about a character quality of zest or passion or enthusiasm for life. We're looking at character strengths, say a word about this, and you might wonder, why do we do this? Because we, we, we struggle with sin, we have weaknesses, and that's true, but simply focus on weakness will not give us the strength that we need to move forward. Um, we all suffer from what's called the negativity bias, that um, bad news impacts us much more stronger emotionally in a negative direction than good news does in a positive direction. There's a Social psychologist Roy Baumeister, and he wrote an article years ago, it's been cited a ton of times, simply called, The Bad is Stronger Than the Good. And he looks from one area in our lives to another one. Um, we are more sad if we lose a chunk of money than we are happy if we gain that same chunk of money. We remember much more strongly a mild criticism than we remember mild praise. John Gottman finds in marriages, it takes five positive comments to be remembered or have the impact of one single negative comment. The same thing is true in the workplace. When we watch news, Roger Brethren talks about this, basically we could simply call it bad news. Um, local news is bad things that have happened near you. World news is bad things that have happened all around the world. If you were to turn into a newscast and it would be 30 minutes of good news, it would feel as though you were not watching the news at all. And there's a variety of reasons for this, but there's a great problem. So one of the discoveries is that when we look at character strengths, when we focus on uh, those qualities that God will help us to grow, to become the persons that we want to be, to develop moral fiber. It leads us into positive emotions, love, joy, peace, gratitude, and so on. And that when we don't live with a focus on our character strengths, we don't exercise them, then we spend more time in negative emotions. And that leads to a lack of well-being, disengagement in work, more sickness, more disconnect from other people relationally, more depression. Now, we need negative emotions. If you've seen the movie Inside Out, you know we need sadness, we need anger, we need guilt, we need fear. Um, however, they are basically short-term emotions that are, are designed to alarm us to take action. And the problem for many of us is that we are living with long-term depletion in emotions that are meant for short-term alertness. So, uh, we're focusing on character strengths, and that's why I want to start today with wholehearted 
enthusiastic zest for life. There was a book by a woman who's a clinical psychologist, um, uh, Kay Redfield Jameson, called Exuberance. She herself struggles with uh, bipolar, manic depression. And the, the book that I want to talk about for a moment is simply called Exuberance. She talks about, among other people, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy is a great example of this quality. Born in 1958 into one of New York's wealthiest families, Theodore Roosevelt seems to have burst into the world a full-throated exuberant. From the earliest days of his life, he exulted in life. At age 10, he wrote to his mother with breathless enthusiasm, What an excitement to have received your letter. My mouth opened wide with astonishment when I heard how many flowers were sent to you. I could revel in the buggy ones. I jumped with delight when I found you heard the mockingbird. Roosevelt, years later, was still jumping. One debutante said he did not so much dance as hop. When he became president at the age of 42, he was the youngest and liveliest president in American history. One reporter from the New York Times wrote, The president goes from one person to another, always speaking with great animation, gesturing freely, in fact, talking with his whole being, mouth, eyes, forehead, cheeks, neck, all taking their mobile parts. A hundred times a day, the president will laugh. And when he laughs, he does it with the same energy with which he talks. It's usually a roar of laughter, comes out nearly every five minutes. Sometimes he doubles up in paroxysm. You don't smile with Roosevelt. You shout with laughter with him. And then you shout again while he tries to cork up more laughter and sputters, come gentlemen, let us be serious. One journalist wrote, you go into Roosevelt's presence and you go home and wring the personality out of your clothes. The White House rang not only with laughter, but with the squeals of children and the clattery of their ponies going up and down marble stairs of the presidential mansion. Roosevelt was frequently to be found chasing or being chased by his children and their animals along the White House grounds. You must always remember, said a British diplomat, that the president is about six. Certainly, Roosevelt did nothing to to dispel that impression. It was Roosevelt who wrote those words in a speech to the Sorbonne that you might remember I love so much. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or the doer of deeds could have done better. Rather, the credit belongs to the man who actually is in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who errs and comes short because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends his life in a worthy cause, who knows in the end at the best the triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Now that is wholehearted living. That's zest for life. I love that phrase that was often used in the church early in the morning. Lift up your heart. Lift my spirit, my attention to God and all the possibilities of life with God. The Bible's word for this is wholeheartedness. And it's rooted in something. Eugene Peterson wrote a wonderful book called Leap Over a Wall about the life of David. Now, David was someone who was marked by wholehearted living. And this is part of what Eugene Peterson writes. 
The streets of our cities and pews of our churches are crowded these days with emaciated men and plastic women. There are too many limp souls. David attracts attention by his vigor, his energy, his wholeheartedness, his God-heartedness. In the middle of his wonderful Psalm 18, he shouts, Yes, by thee I can crush a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. The image of David vaulting the wall catches and holds my attention. David running, coming to a stone wall, without hesitation, leaping the wall, continuing on his way, running toward Goliath, running from Saul, pursuing God, meeting Jonathan, rounding up stray sheep, whatever, but always running and leaping. You might remember when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought into Jerusalem, David is dancing, and one of his wives, Michael, is ridicule him for doing that, but he has not a shred of hesitation or embarrassment about it. David's is certainly a most exuberant story. Earthly spirituality characterizes his life and accounts for the exuberance. Earthy, down to earth, dealing with everydayness, praying while doing the laundry, singing in the snarl of traffic, spiritual, moved and animated by the Spirit of God and therefore alive to God. A five-year-old that I know goes into his one-year-old sister's room with a single message. Hey, sister, enthusiasm! Enthusiasm is a word that's given to us by the Greeks, entheos, God in us. The reason that I'm outside right now is, according to research, one of the things that you can do to increase your zest for life today is just go outside. There is something about being in creation because it was made by our Creator and it is full of life and we are meant to be full of life. I have come that you might have life, Jesus said, and have it with abundance, with vitality, enthusiasm, get into the arena. And there is a reason for this. It is not based simply on your temperament or on hype, or on desire. There is a man who came to be the great life giver, and life was in him. He was the light of the world. He was the life of the world. And for this, they hung him on the cross. Now, there's a lot that's written about trauma in our day. That was the most traumatic event in the history of the world. The Romans intended it to be so. The Romans intended to traumatize their enemies. It's interesting. Baumeister wrote that... uh, Uh, when he's talking about the power of negativity, there is no opposite to the word trauma. Trauma is an event that is so powerful in its darkness that it uh, permanently and extremely um, has a negative impact on well-being. And there's lots of words that have opposites, uh, despair or hope, sadness or joy, anxiety or peace, no opposite to the word trauma. And the most traumatic event that has ever happened by intent was Jesus being crucified on the cross. And it appeared that that was the final triumph of death and hell and hopelessness until Sunday morning came. And it turns out, it turns out that Baumeister was wrong. It turns out that there is a word that is the opposite of trauma. There was an event that has permanently impacted for extreme good all the rest of human history, and it is called resurrection. The opposite of trauma is resurrection. And Jesus' followers, women first and then men, experienced um, not PTSD, but PRSD, post-resurrection strength discovery. 
That's zest for life. That is wholehearted living. Get outside. Get to the arena. Change starts today. Hey, it's Tim. I'm the producer here at Become New. I wanted to let you know if you'd like more resources or teaching from John, you can find it at our website, becomenew.com. Also, if you'd like to receive a text alert or the daily email that goes along with each video, let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. There's a group of us who meet each weekday, Monday through Friday, to pray over requests that are sent in from listeners. And so you can text us your prayer requests at the number 855-888-0444. We'll catch you next time.